0: Queer Business Success, the podcast for LGBTQIA business owners, aspiring entrepreneurs, coaches, caregivers, and the allies who love our community. We tell the stories of why our businesses were formed, who we serve, our challenges and successes, and we offer sound advice to our fellow queer entrepreneurs. Our hope is to inspire, enlighten, and highlight the services that our LGBTQIA businesses and allies offer. If we can do this, so can you. We believe that we need more LGBTQIA business owners, not only for our community, but for a better world. Here's our host, Anne-Marie Zanza.
1: I am so excited to feature Jen Chow today. Jen is a compassionate coach who has overcome her own struggles as a former people pleaser and perfectionist. Growing up as an immigrant in America and a lesbian in her Asian culture, she faced many challenges that affected her self-image. After pursuing degrees in psychology and sociology, she sought refuge in Japan as an English instructor. There, she connected with many people facing similar self-repression and unhappiness, including several in the LGBTQ plus community. Inspired by them and pushed by her own journey, she became a certified professional coach after coaching saved her own relationship and sparked her personal healing. Now Jen empowers women to rediscover their true selves and embrace lives filled with joy, freedom and happiness.
2: Hey, Jen, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. So I would love to hear a
1: little bit about your coming out journey because we are a queer business success and you are queer. So tell us just a little bit about that journey for for our audience.
2: So my journey was if I could go back, I would do it differently, but I did it through Skype. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I was miles and miles, oceans, half, you know, oceans apart from home because I did not have the guts to tell my mother face to face. And it was just a, I did not plan on doing it. But my mother kind of made this comment because I was staying over at my quote unquote friend's house a lot. And she was like, oh, are you like girlfriends? And I just started crying. And that basically propelled me into having that conversation. And it was a horrible, horrible I mean, definitely, do not come out through Skype. It's horrible. <laughs> it's a bad. It's a very well, was, bad way. So I'm curious why? Why do you? Why was it so horrible? Just because I feel like I that kind of conversation now, in hindsight, years and years later, I think I I should have respected my mother enough to have had, had that conversation with her in person. Because I think I, I was so far away from her, and I knew how hard it was by herself in the states to. To kind of figure this out by herself. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, well, now we we have a really good relationship and we've we've she's very accepting now. But at that time, she was going through I chose the worst timing as well. She was going through a little bit of a medical scare and she wasn't really she was pumped up on hormones and something called, oh, hormones were a bit of whacked. So it was the worst timing, actually. And I felt like I just kind of dropped this bomb on her and signed off. Oh, well, mm-hmm. it wasn't that bad, but so I feel like now that I well, think about it, if I could
1: have redone it. I So I'm going to encourage you <laughs> to have some compassion towards yourself because your mom asked you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and it sounds like that, that secret you were holding was on the tip of your tongue mm-hmm. for a very long time. And so her asking you at like, just at the right moment, like at, you know, it was like the. Forces of the universe came together. That's true. Yeah. And you came out to her. I mean, it wasn't so this there's a difference here. It wasn't like you're planning to come out and Skype, and then you know, you come out and Skype to her, which I think is fine too. We do it all different ways. But it was more like she asked you and then you were like, Bleh. Yeah, yeah. I kind of
2: vomited out and I yeah. wasn't really ready. <laughs> but the
1: thing is, is I think you knew she loved you. And, and also, too, you said something really, really interesting. You said and she's gone through all this stuff and, you know, I sign off and she's left to process this on her own. But re- the reality is, is when we come out to people, except young children or, you know, teenagers or something like that, that are our physical children, <laughs> um, you know, it's the adult's responsibility to, to process their own feelings around their child being gay or queer, or lesbian, or trans, because, you know, one of the things is that um, sometimes parents expect their child to be the person they process their queerness Mm -hmm. with, and you know what? You can't do that for them. They need to find somebody else to do them, so I think it You know, in a way, it may have been a real blessing that you were on the other side of the ocean because she got off that phone and she had to figure out how, how she felt that, about this stuff herself without using you as like this guide and stuff like that.
2: That's true. Like in in a way, like sometimes when I think about it, it is I don't think I would have had the guts really to if if I was back home. I don't think I would have ever come out to her, and I think that would have been just really, really hard. Yes, it felt like the weight completely lifted, you know, lifted from my, you know, from my shoulders when I said it, and it was like taking a breath of air, fresh air. But then at the same time, I was just so worried about her because of her health and everything. Yeah, and
1: of course. yeah, absolutely, I understand. <laughs> you know, a lot of times, you know, when I'm working with people coming out, um, mm-hmm. they're, you know, they're always waiting for the perfect time. There's no perfect time. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> Jen knows that. There's no perfect time, you know. And 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 that's the thing is that people people use waiting for the comfort, perfect time to stay in their comfort zone mm-hmm, a lot mm-hmm. of times there's no perfect time. So I, before we got started recording today, Jen and I were chatting. And so Jen is going to share more of her story and my podcast coming out and beyond. So we'll link everything up when that all happens, but we're going to focus
2: on Jen's business today. So Jen, tell us a little bit about your business. All right. So I am an authenticity and joy coach. I kind of went through a, an identity change for a while. I started my coaching. I got my certification about two years ago and mm-hmm. I started, I jumped right in and I started my own practice and I was a relationship coach for the LGBTQ community. And as I mentioned in my bio, coaching basically saved my relationship. And that was what I thought, you know, the, coaching is amazing because it did what therapy couldn't help me with and it, it did amazing things for me, and I wanted to help people in that area. But the more I started to coach people about the relationships, I realized it's not about the relationship that you have with the other person, but it's the relationship that you have with yourself.
0: Yes.
2: And everything, all the conflicts, all the arguments, all the triggers—they're basically things that you have going on with yourself that you haven't really processed through. And so I realized, okay, well, I think this is kind of, I, I think relationship is with yourself is is the most important thing that I would like to focus on and being authentic. And we talked a little bit about it before we even started about, you know, being how how being authentic really frees you and helps you discover genuine joy and pride and freedom. It's just this this peacefulness that you will feel once you are completely true to who you are. And it gives you this kind of freedom to just live life the way you want to live. Instead of really caring about like, oh my gosh, what is, it's like you have this mask on and this is what I used to always have was just like put on this mask about who I think I should be or how I want to be perceived by other people. And it just made me so scared because I'm so scared of one day this mask like cracking or somebody seeing through something that they weren't supposed to see. Now I'm just realizing, you know what, when I don't care, when I don't care at all, then I don't, I'm not scared anymore because what people see is the genuine person I am. And I think that's that's something that everybody should have in their life. And I, I'm living in Japan and there's people with masks all the time. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting because with the, my group, uh, my Lotus Group coaching. I am working on conditioning right now, and um, we're talking about how we are conditioned as society, as as people in society, to live a different way. And we, and actually, Jen and I were talking about it, not using that language, but we were talking about it before we started taping today. And it sounds like you were conditioned, and so was I. We were conditioned to live a certain way in a certain life, and when we don't fit that mold, it is often these masks that we put on but you know both Jen and I are Jen and I are queer but the uh, right the ironic part about this this is all of us Mm -hmm. it's not just queer folks all of us are conditioned to be a certain way and we all have masks so even if you're straight as hell you know, love the man, love the woman, and you're, you know, even if you're straight as hell, there are parts of you that are not living authentically.
2: Exactly. And I think a lot of it, so I also coach a lot of people in, like, the Asian community, the Asian American community, because there's that identity that we're kind of trying to figure out. Like, we're following a lot. There's a lot of cultural expect, expectations that we have is coming from the Chinese background, you know, there's filial piety with where you just have to respect the elders and whatever they say you just follow. And mm-hmm. it's the steps, right? You get married, you have kids, and then you take care of your parents when they, when they get old and you got to get this mm-hmm. kind of job as an Asian person, you're supposed to play piano. You're supposed to be good at It's either piano or violin. Those are the two, two instruments that you have to and learn. You're very good at science and math. <laughs> yes, exactly. And we're either doctors or pharmacists or optometrists. Like those are the three jobs you could have. So it's really hard. And and so a lot of people are just, like you said, they're conditioned. It's been pounded into their brains when they were young that we don't realize, you know, this isn't, I, I really love art, but I'm not supposed to like, I'm not, I'm not supposed to make this a career. I can't make it a career. It can be a hobby, but I've got to love my geometry book. Like it's kind of stuff like that. So I'm going to, I'm going to keep going with that theme.
1: So how do you work with, uh, your Asian clients or any client but really an Asian client that has been schooled that they're supposed to be a certain way and go into certain jobs and certain careers and they're a theater person or they're uh, you know a writer or they're a creative or they want to be a social worker or something like that. How do you work with them to embrace
2: that authentic piece of themselves? It's definitely really difficult, especially when I coach like people in more of like the, the, in Japan, because they, they, they have this feeling of something's wrong, but when you kind of, when they're talking and you real, and you're like, okay, well, I, I see the problem. It's, it's these, it's the rules that you're following. They don't see it. They don't really accept it. And they think, no, 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 no. There it must be something else. And so you just dig deeper and you talk about, okay, well, what are the, we go a little bit into the past. Tell me a little bit about how you felt when this happened. And that's a little bit difficult as well, because they're not as in tune with emotions and things like that. It's a very different, there's a big difference between Western and Eastern culture, right? They don't, they don't really see it as like an emotional problem. They, you're like, well, come on. Is there, is there some kind of technique you can teach me? And I'm like, it's not really like the, it's not meditation. You're not going to meditate this this feeling away. It's a lot of you. Just got to keep talking. I'm going to keep digging, and it's uncomfortable, but we're going to keep going. And a lot of times, it's just you. Just suddenly, they just start crying, and and it's it's release. And they, I just say, you know, release it. Just cry because your body is telling you. Because in in Asian cultures, it's a lot of physical um, symptoms. Physical symptoms are easier for for them to kind of process and understand you cry just just let it go because that is something coming out that is something that is popping up and why what what's coming up for you what is that tear what does that what do those tears mean for you and just practicing a little a little bit by a little bit it's so tiny it's little little steps that we have to take and just not push them
1: (laughs) well you know it's so interesting because I was on another podcast yesterday and we were talking about fear and um and that was the theme of the podcast. And I said, mm-hmm. you know, the thing is with fear, it, you, you don't overcome it in this one giant step. Mm-hmm. You know it is like exactly what you just said, Jen. It's a bunch of tiny little steps. Mm-hmm. It's just, but it's willing to take that first step. And yep. that first step may be so tiny, like working with your coach and like letting a tear roll down your face. but that's a mm-hmm. first step, right?
2: Yeah. Like, yeah. And I think it's a lot of also like just giving them the space because a lot of these people have never learned to talk about things like this. Like we we're it's taboo. These are things that we don't talk about. We don't complain about our jobs or well, we complain about our jobs, but like not deeply, like how we really hate it. And we just, you know, it's, it's killing you inside. And you're thinking about all these dark thoughts. Like people don't usually talk about it. It's just giving them that space to just say whatever and not judge them and just say, you know what? you're totally fine for feeling that way. It's okay that you feel like you want to, you know, punch your boss in the face. Well, you yeah, know, don't do it. But like, you know, it's, and it's, it's okay to feel that way. <laughs> to feel that way because it's, it's, you. It's, it's normal. It's absolutely normal. And it's just giving them that space that, that non-judgment. And just saying, you know, you're okay. You're completely normal. Some of the the time they feel like they're so abnormal. There's something wrong with them. There's nothing wrong with you. You're just having an emotional reaction to an emotional thing. And you're living a life that is, you know, life is like this. It's ups and downs and it's messy. There's no perfect life. Mm -hmm.
1: You know, it seems like also too, where I think, you know, we both do this is we give people permission. They Mm -hmm. don't, you and I both know, they don't need our permission at all. Mm-hmm. The only person that needs to to um, the only person that needs to give them permission is themselves. But a lot of times, like being with somebody and and somebody saying, yeah, it's okay. You know, it's okay to feel this way. You're allowed to feel this way. And it's like, sometimes that's absolutely revolutionary. And it's not just Asian culture. It's, it's, unfortunately, the world, it's everywhere, you know, we're not allowed to feel a certain way and stuff. Yeah. So I love that. I love that you are teaching people that like, first of all, one, it's okay to have emotions because like, I remember with one of my very first mentors, she asked me something and I said, I said something and she goes to me, that's your thinking, that's not your feeling. And Mm I was like, oh, what do you (laughs) mean by that? You know? And so I I also remember what my, uh, 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 another mentor saying to me, you know, there's only four emotions in this world and it's mad, bad, sad, and glad. And then there's a fifth afraid, but, you know, when people cannot identify their emotions, I mean, because then, you know, we use often, like, for example, frustration can be part of mad, but mm-hmm. don't realize that. And, you know, so when we break it down to something so simple, mad, bad, sad, glad, and afraid, then people can like people, all, everybody knows those words, you know, right, and, right. I'm curious, in Japanese language, do they even have words for that?
2: They do, they do, yeah.
1: I'm just curious because I know no. some, some cultures and some languages don't have words that, mm-hmm. have and vice versa. And so. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: so, what is the biggest success in your business right now?
2: Well, the biggest success is, uh, like, should I say, like a client? <laughs> My biggest
1: success <laughs> well, the story
2: was of a client, but without telling their name, of course. Yeah, All right. yeah. So I had, um, she was actually one of my, my first clients, um, my first paying client. So she was like my little baby and I was super excited. She was referred to me from a friend that I just kind of was doing practicing, practicing coaching with. And she referred me to her and I remember the first, um, the first session she just cried. And I, I mean, I'm like, I was like a baby coach and I was like, what's going on? Okay. All right. This is good. This is good. It's emotion. And she just, she was crying and not in the LGBT community at all. She was struggling with relations, her relationship and just bawling and bawling at every session. Like she was always crying. It was like, OK, tissue girl, just prepare the tissue before we even start. Like you got to, you know, yes. be prepared. Um, but uh, we worked for a couple of months and then she dropped. She finished the the package for a bit and then she disappeared for a year. <laughs> and I thought, okay, all right. She sounds, I was not exactly, I thought maybe she'd have stayed a little bit longer. We could have done a little bit more, but okay. She comes back a year later and she's like, I'm having the same problems. And I'm like, okay, this time stay long. We're going to do this for sure. We're going to really get you through. And then it, this was the, she was the one that catapulted me into realizing authenticity because her relationship, I was coaching her with, you know, figuring out relationship things and how to like deal with, communicate with her partner. But this time I realized I, it was also a year after. So I was a little bit more skilled, (laughs) experienced. And so I realized, okay, this is a lot to do with your own, uh, your inability to realize that you need to really take care of yourself. You need to, you have, you're so insecure and you really need to work on your self-love. And then, so we started focusing on that a little bit more and she realized, yes, She just realized she had so many, so many things that were tied with her relationship with her family and how she has a lot of siblings and, you know, she wasn't, they didn't have time to take care of her and that, that need for love that she goes out and looks for. And then after, after we worked together, she contacts me and she's like, I don't, she just broke up with her boyfriend. was not, it was not this huge thing, but the last time she broke up, it was this huge, it was drawn out. But the new person, she's like, I broke up with him, no tears at all. And she's like, because now I realize I want to love myself, I want to be by myself and work on myself. And I was like, boom, that was amazing. And she is she is brilliant. She's gone out to do her own videos now. She's traveling all over the place. I see her all on my Facebook all the time doing videos to help people as well, um, with emotional well-being and how to help self-love. And I'm like, this, this is great. I'm so happy because she had talked about it, but it was always like, but I don't, I can't do it because look at me. I'm always crying, blah, blah. And now I think she's, she puts out videos all the time and I'm just so proud of her. That was my biggest win.
1: <laughs> you know what, Jen, that's really, really beautiful. And I think what you helped was realizing her to realize to love herself. Yeah. You know, um, In every major religious tradition, there's this love your neighbor as yourself, And, you know, what I what I've come to realize is that we really struggle to love ourselves. Uh that's why we sometimes can't love our neighbors so good yeah (laughs) (laughs) you know but you know people are much it's much more easier to love other people than sometimes than to love ourselves with our warts and all you know because we're the only ones that truly know ourselves Uh and so when when somebody is able to do that it sounds like a lot of times with the women I work with like helping them to acknowledge and accept their queerness Uh and seeing them to go on and do so many other things and fall in love and, you know, get remarried and all these things has been like the joy of my life. I have, you know, I've done a lot of caregiving in my Mm -hmm. life professionally, but this has been so exciting to see people create new lives. And Mm -hmm. you know, it's so funny is that like a couple years later, I'll get a note or something like that. And it always comes when I'm feeling crappy. (laughs) And I was like, "Thank you." You know, I think about you all the time. Thank you so much for all you helped me do. And I was like, "Oh, thanks. That's so nice." But it's like, man, that's really good. I'm, you know, really lucky to be able to do this work. So it sounds like you made a profound impact on this. Yeah, project.
2: yeah. I, yeah. This is what makes me so like obsessed with this job. Like I love it so much because it's not. It's not for. I mean we've we've been taught like we've been conditioned to work for money and then you know keep to be promoted. But this is really like this. This is something that it's it's not monetary. You can't you can't like you know quantify this in money. It's just this feeling of having helped somebody. It's like the best feeling in the world. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's also also nice to be paid. But <laughs> <laughs> well, we have to be paid.
1: Um,
2: so, what are the biggest challenges you face? The biggest challenge I think that I'm facing is really just to get more out there, um, especially because it's. I mean, is everywhere. Well, not so much in, in Japan, but it's it's everywhere else. Um, and I think because I'm I'm where I am and at the same time so much smaller because I'm only working with, I'm not only working with the LGBT group, but I want to help more in the LGBT group. It's a little bit more difficult in a country that is not, you know, as LGBT. <laughs>
1: right. <Yeah. laughs> in other countries, right. so it sounds like really finding the clients that need you, um, yeah, is hard, is hard. Is the hard part for you right now? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I also think that's a learning curve as well. Like I think so. Yeah, you know, I think it's one of those things that we sort of all learn to do as we mm-hmm. become more experienced. You know, right. I find that a lot of coaches have a really lot of love in their heart and really want to do good work, but there is a business side to coaching. Yeah, um, right. A lot of times, like. We didn't expect that.
2: (laughs) No, I mean they tell you. They tell you it's gonna be it's gonna be difficult, but you're like you know it's it's gonna be fine. It'll be different for me. (laughs) It's a lot of trial and
1: error. Uh, Yeah, I get that. I get that. Yeah. it's so funny too because one of the things too that I probably should do some like videos on this is Mm -hmm. that when you are trying to coach people that have guilt and shame Mm -hmm. around. A particular issue whether it's being queer or or anything else. You know, um I knew somebody that coached women that had late-term abortions, you know, so there's a lot of shame and there's a lot of guilt around all those things. And I think that's that's really hard because people have to be at a certain point right. before they'll even accept that they need yep. help. So for me, working with queer folks, People have to be at a certain point where they realize that one, that yeah, I think I might be gay, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and two, like this is a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. Yep. And um, so that takes a certain nurturing for people to get to that point. And so a lot of times with social media and stuff like that, that's where you do the nurturing because people mm-hmm. don't aren't aware of their problem. Right. right. You tell them what Yeah, about. yeah. That's they the do. interesting <laughs> thing. Yeah. They just think it's hard. And they, mm-hmm. they also think that they're the only person. The only ones there. that are having this. Yeah. And, and You know what? Both Jen and I have been there. <laughs> we know <laughs> we have felt like the only person that's felt felt this way. And so we mm-hmm. understand that like on a very deep personal level, but also on a professional level as well. Mm-hmm. What would be your one piece of advice? I'm going to ask you to. I'm going to break it down. What would be your one piece of advice? for someone who wants to go into the coaching field.
2: There's a lot, but I think the first thing that pops up in my, to mind is trust the process and you hear about it all the time. But kind of the similar thing as we just talked about, you go in thinking that it's gonna be this way. It's never gonna be this way, but it's okay. Don't stop. <laughs> just keep yeah. Just keep trying whatever you feel like.
1: <laughs> Do right. I? Mean? Yeah. And
2: my second question,
1: what piece of advice would you give to somebody who is queer and who is thinking of going in, working as a coach?
2: Mm. Don't let your voices win. And if it really clicks with you, go for it. So I think this was the one thing I wanted to coach relationships in the beginning. And I had a another coach. Um, I was working with a coach and I told her, I just want to be a relationship coach, just a relationship coach. That's it. And she said, okay, what, what, like, what's keeping you from, I, I mentioned maybe like in the LGBTQ community, maybe. And she's like, what's that maybe? And I'm like, I don't know. Cause I'm, I'm a little scared. I don't know if I, I can be, you know, my experience is just my experience. I don't know a lot, that many LGBTQ people. I have no idea. And, but I don't know. I think uh, we coached a little bit on that and I realized that that's, that's the community I want to help. And so for somebody who's in the LGBTQ community who wants to become a coach, follow your heart. Don't let the voices that of doubt or shame or whatever of like imposter syndrome. Or yeah, that's what I was just saying. <laughs>
1: Thinking, oh, I may not be queer enough to be able to do this. Yeah.
2: yeah. No, yeah. you're. you're, you're, you're yeah. <laughs> You and know, there's no one type of queer either, right? So but
1: not, you know, that's right. There is not one type of queer. And, you know, it's interesting. because like, you know, I coach, you know, I came out later in life. I was 50 mm-hmm. when I came out. Um, and I've lived a very queer life since then. Um, and I'm now married to a woman. So I think that's about as queer as it can get. You know? But what's really interesting to me is that, you um, you know, I, I often would see people because I have two big Facebook groups, and I often would see people post. You know, I feel like an imposter. I came out at forty-five. I came out in fifty. I haven't suffered enough to begin. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, being in the closet is suffering. Yeah, you know, not being your full authentic self is suffering. So, yeah, honey, you've suffered enough. But I also talk about imposter syndrome mm-hmm. and. You know, I find that people who have imposter syndrome have it across the board with everything. It's not just in career. So oftentimes it's like business, mothering, all kinds of stuff. Mm -hmm. And so um, I think one of the things is that never doubt your abilities or your membership in any community. Yep. Yep. You know, because you are needed and your voice belongs, and that's what diversity. Seriously, that's what diversity is all about because there's a diverse voices in the queer community like you know it's so funny they say the queer agenda first of all the least organized community is the queer community <laughs> <laughs> we don't have an agenda yeah but the funny thing is is that there, there's all kinds of lgbtq folks out there from mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. more conservative to the the you know in the queer community they have you know gay men that are tiny and small are called twinks you right. know Swings to the, you know, the very butchy dyke women mm-hmm. and, and for the trans folks and stuff like that. So we have such a strong and diverse community that all the divorce, diverse voices really do need to be heard. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So just just trust yourself and <laughs> just do you.
1: Trust yourself. Yeah. Jen yeah. Chow, it's great having you on the show today. Thank you so much.
2: Um, how can people reach you? Oh, I, you can definitely reach me in my newly updated website, <laughs> um, chowcoaching, C-H-O-W, coaching.com. And um, my Instagram, which is same, C-H-O-W under, underscore coaching. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And those are the two places most of the people can reach me.
1: And you can find all that information in the notes for the
0: show. Jen, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. It was so nice to talk to you. You've been listening to Queer Business Success, the podcast that highlights LGBTQIA plus businesses. New episodes are published regularly on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and other listening platforms. Wherever you're listening, take a moment to hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. Are you an entrepreneur who's also queer? Wanna share some of your wisdom and experience with the rest of us? We'd love to have you on the show. Just click the link in the show notes to apply to be a guest. Until next time, queer friends and allies, keep taking care of business.